When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to Knife Talk. We're a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, makers, DIYers, we're all with you. My name is Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. With me is bladesmith Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts, and Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. What's going on, fellas? Bonjour. Bonjour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's just, For those who can't see, Mareko is wearing... <laughs> describe what you're wearing on Mareko. Who's dressed you this for this fall season? Uh, I'm, I'm dressed in my pajamas, <laughs> which is a polar bear hoodie. Hmm. And polar bear uh, flannel pants. I won't show you right. the flannel pants. Well, you have like ears. You have polar <laughs> I do. Bear ears. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, every Christmas we do family. Uh, turned, family by pajamas. the way, everybody, he turned it on for a second and he turned it right off as soon as we said pop bear ears. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. What do you do for Christmas? We get matching pajamas, and uh, my son loves it. And we've been doing it the last three years now, and uh, we'll probably keep doing it for a long time to come. But these these are leftover pajamas, basically from the past couple of years. Yes, yeah. it's nice. <laughs> I think good. it's nice that you, as a family, you guys do something together. You catching me walking around in pajamas? That's for sure. <laughs> you just walk I'm, around you... naked in the house? No. I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, when I did my episode where I was talking about 9-11, I actually left the house wearing cutoff shorts, clogs, and a t-shirt when I was driving my wife. Jesus 9-11 comes, we abandoned our car, abandoned my car at my old shop. We had to walk three miles, and I was wearing cutoff sweatpants sh- sweat shorts, a t-shirt, and fucking clogs with no shoes. I was completely unprepared for anything. I just, I didn't even my wallet or my keys. So ever were these, since these that... cut-off shorts with like with your ass cheeks hanging out, you know, <laughs> not like, that, no, <laughs> that would have been unbelievable. Can you imagine Daisies. the horror yeah. of nine eleven with my ass hanging out? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I was like, I was convinced. Hillary was just like, you weren't prepared to walk. I'm like, hey, fuck no, I wasn't prepared to walk. I didn't even have a place for a wallet. I didn't even think I needed a wallet. So ever since then, when I get up, I get dressed immediately. There's no going back to the bedroom. There's no fumping around. There's no robes. And it, I, it took me a few years to realize that it was because I was completely unprepared for anything. So I get dressed for, if I know I'm going to go to the shop, I wear my shop clothes. Right out of the bed. Wake up, right dressed immediately. So, yeah, there's no fumping around in my house with pajamas. Fumping. Yeah. We, we've had a, a week of pajamas in this house. I've got, I got too comfortable this week. You know, we're, we're what, seven or eight weeks in now of yeah. really leaving the house. Um, and I'm just getting too comfortable just waking up, um, you know, throwing pajamas on and just spending the rest of the day just like in my oh own my filth. God. It's not good. Ew. <laughs> really Wallowing good. in your own filth. Ew. Yeah. Really not good. Jeez. Filth. Come on. What are you talking about? Pajamas. What? what? You know, when, you know, 
I know, but you know, you just feel dirty, don't you? After a while, you just yeah. like you know, it, it's it's coming to sort of five six p.m. and you look down, and you still. I got a feeling. Like, oh, what the hell? I got a feeling you're not wearing underwear under those pajamas. Oh, obviously not. God, yeah, grossy, gross all the time. You're sitting, <laughs> yeah, there's only yeah. when you're sitting in a chair. There's only one thin membrane of fabric between you, your asshole, and your chair. That's outrageous. <laughs> Fuck me. That's terrible. <laughs> Uh, Welcome to Knife Talk, everybody. <laughs> We're talking about our one thin membrane of fabric between your asshole and your chair. This is what happens. Ay, uh, ay, ay. So you've so been Mareco. lounging around, huh? Yeah, Mareko, let, let's start with you. I mean, we've seen, <laughs> we've seen your video on YouTube this week. So what else have you been up to? Uh, well, I filmed more stuff for the video or for YouTube. Uh, I, I, th- I think people are going to be excited to see some S grind videos of how I approach the S grind and everything that yes. I do to do that. Uh, but it'll probably still be a couple weeks before that's out. Uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully sooner than later, but, um, so actually not a couple weeks, maybe next week. Um, my wife is helping with the video editing while I'm trying to do take video and still be productive. I'm working on a big ass knife, uh, kind of, a. I don't know. It's inspired by. It's kind of inspired by the uh, Adam and Haley DeRosiers. Uh Adam makes these. They're these makers in Alaska, and they do these giant choppers and hunters and really cool knives. And if you don't follow them, go follow them. But Adam does this uh, heavy use chef's knife um, that he actually takes out to the field and he uses it to to cut down stuff and whatever. But he also then uses it at camp for as uh, as a chef's knife to. Uh, help with preparing their meals and stuff and so i'm building this big chef's knife kind of loosely based around or in, and inspired by that uh, i think the blade is 11 inches long it's a big knife um but and it's it's a it's got a different style handle like a hunt more of a hunter uh hard use like bushcraft style handle on it instead of my normal chef's knife handle on it and it actually is going to have a guard uh so just doing a lot of stuff i don't normally do um and fitting that up uh other than that yeah still more more quality family time hanging out and doing silly stuff around the house and trying to keep the dude entertained because he's he's cooped up too he's usually in daycare and he's going crazy all uh, as the, just like the rest of us so yeah. that's what i've been up to mm-hmm. what about all what that, about you craig all that oh vi- sorry, sorry all that video just in the editing it just seems like so much work it's a lot of work i i really like how do you do those transitions how do you do those transitions well i mean you're the one to ask i guess yeah some apps uh and a lot of applications will automatically insert transitions like every so often or in between individual clips um but you still got to go in there and decide what kind of transition you want and and then, you know, making sure everything's edited before you put music on top of it. Because if you think you're going to try to do some editing afterward, that screws up the the music tracks, too. And how those Oof. sync up with all the videos. And so it's it's been a, a bit of a work. learning curve. Oof. Yeah, I commend my wife. My I know she's listening. So mad props to you, sweetheart, for uh, <laughs> putting this all together. Because so. we're kind of, you know, while she's editing, I'm hanging out and... and take care of the dude and then while i'm filming and working she's taking care of the dude and we're kind of playing hot potato <laughs> with the guy right. um while we're still trying to get stuff done you know yeah that's what most yeah, people are doing now yeah for you know sure. that's what uh that's what tomer florentine knives is doing i was talking to him on, on instagram live this week and he goes down to the shop and he works and then his and his wife gnome 
has their son and then they swap out you know they yeah. have a very it's a you know people have to figure out a schedule it's very hard yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much what we do as standard my, my wife and i anyway so we both work from home um and when she's working i've got the babies and when i'm working she's got the babies and yeah it's yeah it it's it's the normal for us that side of things mm. but it's just the the repetitiveness and the boredom of not being able to go out that's that's the uh the killer at the moment sure yeah well, I what about you, go, Jeff? Well, I, I, speaking of the boardroom going out, I went to do we do I do one one big run to the supermarket and anything else. And uh, I was at the supermarket yesterday, and things are starting to like. I mean, it's a beautiful day here, by the way. It's Sunday. It's like going to be in the seventies. It was beautiful. It was in the high sixties yesterday, and um, I, it was the first time in the past seven weeks that the supermarket didn't seem as dreary they might have changed the lights or they're just there you get the feeling the confidence of the shopper and it just seems as though i've always been seeing the same people shop in the you know that one person in the family goes to do the shopping so mm-hmm. there's definitely this sense of like well now there's some toilet paper and paper towels and the stuff that they're out of isn't really that much anymore and everything's you know but i went to get do all the groceries and and then uh, I ran down to the liquor store to get a little bit of hooch, and I noticed every, the liquor store is right down by the river. It was so nice. There was a ton of people by the river. And I was talking to the liquor store guy from out the window. I called him up. He, did, he does curbside, and uh, he's just like, yeah, it's pretty bad out there. So everyone, everybody's, you know, when the weather's nice, they were tailgating in a parking lot. Everyone was, like, apart, but it was just like, uh, just, you just get the feeling like, uh this thing's going to get, you know, when the, when the weather gets really nice in the summertime, especially what's going to happen Are people going to, you know, you're not going to take advantage of the social distancing and the quarantining yeah. and I get sick of it. Yeah. I think it's like fatigue setting in a bit as well. You know, people have been for weeks now, right. you know, staying in and so on. I think, well, I'm fine. And, you know, and they're taking maybe a, a few more risks than they normally would. And, you know, their normal changes again very, very quickly. And now it's like, now it's normal to go out for a walk and now it's normal to, to do whatever. And it, yeah, it's worrying. Well, I see a lot of people riding their bikes, and in my mind, I see like chemtrails coming from their mouths mm, yeah. when they're. Because my wife is, you know, my wife's a nurse practitioner. She's just been every day. Anything new that comes up, she's just like, you know, the they they think that the you know it your your it aerosols out of your mouth and it hangs in the air for three minutes and it's just like, well, you know, it gets a little bit. And then the breathing through the masks. My wife has been getting masks and different masks, and the masks she got this week, I mean, it's like, I swear to God, they look like string bikini bottoms. They're like white oh my God. with like red, <laughs> different colored like strings. And I'm like, well, Hillary, what did you, what is this? A string? Is this a thong? What did you get a thong? She goes, no, no, no. They're, and I put them on my face, and I'm just like, God damn it. It looks, it literally, when you hold it up, it looks like a string bikini, and I tied it on and everything like that. And we're, I'm walking the dogs and I'm wearing it. And I'm just like, fucking, I was hard breathing through these things. I, they got to figure out something. I've used my shop one. I've used, and anytime I go uphill with any of these things, you're just like, ugh, sucking in all that carbon dioxide, just in your own breath. And so, and then the supermarkets, you know, the supermarkets, the supermarket, you know, I'm, I'm, all I do is judge people by, I don't know if you guys ever have done this, but when you look in somebody else's card, have you ever judged them? Oh yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's always been one of my favorite things to do. Is just like, oh, oh, you can tell the single dudes a mile away. Well, you just yeah. tell the people who are just like you know, and it's funny because you know now I, I really honestly believe that with all things going through, I think that 
Um, I've always felt like, um, especially as an American, there's, there's, you, you go into culinary school when they talk about uh, cuisine and stuff like that. The only true American cuisine that's like, and it isn't even that unique, is it's considered like Cajun food. Cajun food is the only indigenous food to the United States. There, everything else is a, a derivation of of other things, European cuisine or Asian cuisine and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there isn't like the 200, 300 years, like, or 400 years, like France, like you go to, you know, the French cuisine has been the same. Not, I mean, with the, you know, the, the staples have been there for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. So the problem is, is like Americans don't have this. I've always felt that Americans don't have this uh, passing down of information in terms of cooking. And what happened was, is now they have all these supermarkets and the funny thing is, is I learned a long time ago, if you just stay on the outside edge, you will get everything you really need. And the stuff in the middle is all the bullshit. And I never really understood that until <laughs> I realized. Stuff, yeah. yeah, the canned stuff, the stuff that has it's got the preservatives, that shelf life, shelf stable and stuff. You know, obviously spices and flour and stuff like that. But, you know, all of a sudden I thought, you know, if you could just, if you just go to through the grocery store and you just stay on the outside edge. You really can get everything you need. The problem is, is people just don't know how to, a lot of Americans just really don't know how to cook. And that's why all these guys on, are doing their Instagram live and they're kind of do, you know, doing menus and cooking instructions and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just very interesting kind of seeing how life is. Mm. Work-wise, what have you been up to? Um, I knocked out some sausage pricks. Uh, I actually made one, those little sausage knives that have a, they have like two tines on one end and a small cutting knife. It's for sausage making. I guess when you're, when you're squeezing out the meat, you gotta, you have these air bubbles by the sausage casing. And if you don't pierce the skin by the sausage casing, when you cook it, the skin can burst. So what these guys have is they have this little knife that it's got like a little paring knife on one end for cutting and, and then that one little, these tines. So a customer, and I made them for a butcher a couple months ago. So I, a friend of mine makes sausages one one and then I actually made one for the butcher at the supermarket. He's, I, there's this guy named Oliver. I just always have chatted with him. And every holiday, if I've ever needed something, he always makes sure I have it. Like I needed a turkey and he defrosted it for me and had one of the guys in the back get it ready and my name was on it. And we just, and he's, I've always chatted with him. He's a super nice guy. And during this whole you know coronavirus thing he's been there every day and i know they might have had to knock out a few of the butchers there and he's there every day as a manager he's constantly stacking food and uncrating food and we talk every so often and i made one for him as a just like you know a little pick me up you know a little he yeah. mentioned yeah. it to me and i was just like I, I what colors you want and i made him one with some blue color blue green and yellow and it was just like just like a nice thing to do and he was just a good guy oh and the coffee, I forgot about the coffee. The coffee's been going great. We, we, um, Peaksco Coffee House and I started making coffee. I didn't make shit. I just put my name on it and sold the hell out of it. And we were going to sell the first 250 uh, pounds, the 250 bags of coffee. The 70% of the money was going to go to feed the front lines, which uh, pays restaurants to um, make food for frontline workers. And we're already at, as of Friday, we sold 136 bags, which is great. And and nice. I and thank you, Derek from Malden, who listens to the podcast. He called them up and he says, "I don't drink coffee, but I want to buy one for Jeff." And so they they I got one hand delivered from De not Derek was doing his thing in Boston or Massachusetts, but they delivered it. And I finally got a taste of it. And it's great tasting coffee, real good. 
really good. Really just like super drinkable coffee. So that was a lot of fun. And now I want to try to blast off the last hundred and hundred and something and then 110, 115. Well, yeah, we're past. I mean, as of this weekend, we, I had to like cool it with the the promotion because we kind of like blew past all their shipping supplies. They're they're used to shipping like five bags of coffee a week. They're not used to shipping a hundred thirty, hundred six <laughs> in one week. So I kind of they they uh, they asked me to cool it for a couple of days, and then they finally got everything squared away. So we're gonna try to get that. But the cool thing is, is they're gonna keep it on the mantle. It's not gonna be limited anymore. We're gonna they're gonna it's gonna be one of their flavors because they've just been doing really great nice. with it. So I've got a question about your sausage pricks. Go ahead. So the tines, are right. you putting them to a point or you, yes, they, they are right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You want to think the, the one, the original ones they're based off of, they're, they're almost like nails and they're like four of them, but it's impossible to fabricate something like that. You know, very, very thin, very thin, like nails. And yeah. for them also, you don't want them to break. You want to, you don't want them to like, you really can't. I mean, the way I make knives, I mean, it's just no way to make four tines that in it, without it, you know, you can't charge $500 for a fucking paring knife, sausage prick, you know, 600 bucks, whatever. So I did it with two because I found out that they don't need all th- all four tines. They only, you only need one or two. So, yeah, you sharpen them up and. You sort of yeah. rounding those off then to a point, you know? Uh, yeah, I sharpen them. I sharpen them to a point. I mean, after when they're finished, finished, they're they're pretty sharp because they want the the pin pricks to be very very slight, and you don't need to mm-hmm. go very far. It's not like I mean, you're just piercing the casing, you know. So, got you. Just I was gonna. I was. I gotta change the name. Well, <laughs> Tony's in it, so I can't keep calling him Sasha Prick. This is so stupid. So so Tony was gonna. Tony said, "We'll call him a vamp or something, like a vampire." And then I started thinking, maybe I call him a moil, the moil or something like that. You know what a moil is? <laughs> yeah, he knows what a moil is. You know what a moil is? Um, well, I mean, you know, I come from a half uh, Roman Catholic, half Jewish family, so my father's Jewish, and I, I was kind of raised culturally Jewish. I had to kind of understand a few things. So, moil is the guy who <laughs> the moil is the guy who, who circumcises the baby, uh, right? And uh, and uh, that asshole. Know, well, I mean, you know, I'm just I mean, I, whatever. I mean, <laughs> have some of them put their penis, their mouths on their baby penis? Maybe. But, you know, it's it's part of the rela- I mean, I want to, you know, well, it's it's kind of strange. Oh, yeah. So I was tempted. Now, now that, now that I think about it, I can call it them. Well, forget it. Sausage prick snake it bite. is. The what? Are using a small? The snake bite. Oh. The snake yeah, bite. The vamp. I like the vamp. <laughs> but I mean that was Tony. I got to give Tony a few creative things, otherwise he gets bored. You know, he's just like he can't just do all the hardware. You got to give him a little bit of creativity. Are you, he goes are a little you, crazy the two, though. By the way, are you using a small wheel to get in between the tines, or are you drilling uh, a hole and then cutting it with the bandsaw? Uh, that's a good or? question. So when I cut them out, I I have a little. I drill a hole to get the round the round part so i'll use like mm-hmm. a, i'm trying to think about like a five eighths drill or something like that and then i can five eighths yeah five oh. eighths five yeah. eighths or sm- half inch half inch five eighths sure. something like that and then um i don't really use a small wheel attachment because i'm it's it's probably small closer to half inch so it's it's going to be too small and then i just get in there with the and i can get in there with the if you have the belt a little bit hanging over the platen, you can sure. kind of get in there and then and then yeah. I, I finish it off. And I also, 
I'm trying not to make these things a, such a giant production. So, you know, I'll finish off maybe with a Dremel with a drum sander bit and maybe maybe I'll take the platen off and just slack belt get in there. Yeah. But uh, I just try to keep it as simple as possible. I think just that's yeah. just my name cool. of the, name of the game in general. Fair enough. Nice. There you are. Very exciting. What about you, Mr. Lockwood? How's your week been? Uh, Schlepping along in downs. his pajamas. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, that's how the week started, and I was—I I need to do something. I can't be doing this. So, um, I, I mentioned last week that I've been sort of tidying at the little studio here and getting the guitars in and restringing them all and all that kind of stuff. So, I just been—I don't know—I've got my mojo back a bit. So, um, I've been sort of recording songs and learning stuff, and um, nice. I took a skills Skillshare um, class on Logic Pro, which is like a music production program thing. Um, and just really, really enjoying that. And it's one of those things that, you know, when you when you get your head into it, you know, hours just passes. Um, and and <laughs> it was funny. I think it was Monday or Tuesday where me and my wife were just like, we've got to do something. We're just sitting around in our pajamas all day. And we're like, yeah, okay. I said, right, tonight we need to be in bed by 10 p.m. And that way we're going to get up early in the morning. We're going to be revitalized and we're going to have, you know, always that thing if we'll start tomorrow, you know. So anyway, I, that afternoon I started playing around with logic and things like that. And I, I go into the studio, and it was like 3.30 a.m., and there's oh, a knock shit. on the door. She's like, oh, my well, God. you come into bed? And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but I, I love that. You know, that feeling when you're sort of completely in the zone oh, yeah, and sure. time disappears and you're learning something new, and I, and I just loved it. So I've been trying to chase that all week, trying to learn as much as I can, and, and I wow. really enjoyed it. Knife-wise, um, pretty much nothing. Um, w- w- one decision I have made is the um, that that knife talk BA, the build along knife. Um, I've I've done like a, a revision of that, like a, a slightly different. The handle needs to be longer, and there's there's a few changes that I wanted to make. Um, and I think I'm going to do a batch of them. I've had a few people contacting me saying, you know, you're going to make these. Um, and at first I was like, no, I don't do that kind of knife. I do chef knives, but I just think, well, why not? So I think I'm probably going to do a limited run with them. Um, mm. Very similar to the one that I posted. I did that video where it's sort of spinning around um, on Instagram. Um, it's very similar to that, but it's, it's got a longer handle and slightly longer blade. Um, so I think I'm going to do a short run of that. Cool. Um, and that, and that's it. And, yeah, and just still printing masks every day, printing masks. It's, oh, wow. It's a nonstop thing. How many sure. have you made altogether? Um, but probably about 250, 300 now. Jeez. Um, yeah, and it yeah, they take a long time, you know. Uh, you know, I know people are making you know a lot more than me, um, but they they take a long time. So I'm managing to do sort of ten to twelve a day. That's all. Um, but but yeah, and I've got a beef about this as well. We'll talk about it later. Oh, good oh boy! I've I got a beef. I hope it's some <laughs> French guy. No, it's not. It's, oh. it's yeah, we, we, we we'll save that. Um, but also, I made a decision um, uh, which slightly affects this podcast as well a bit. Um, so um, I love doing this podcast, as I know you both do too. So first of all, nothing's going to happen to this podcast. It's it's going to remain as it is, but it's going to get better and all the rest of it. Um, but I am going to do another show as well. Um, I'm going to do a show called Music Makers, where um, pretty much how Knife Talk started, where I interview people who make knives. I'm going to interview people who make music. Um, so the way that's going to work is it'll be a completely show independent of Knife Talk. But I'm thinking, just thinking at the moment, of maybe start on like a podcast network for makers. So any makers out there that run podcasts, if we group together, we can all become something better so yeah that, that that's we're, we're very you know early days of that but um yeah i'm going to be doing my own uh, a show of my own as well at some point so yeah 
I've had, yeah, I've had lots of time to think about things. Very cool. <laughs> and tinker Very with cool. things. Yeah, maybe I'll bring exciting. back maybe I'll bring back the old full blast podcast. Full blast. The full blast podcast. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good do, idea. Do the impression of the French guy. The French I'm saving it for the full blast podcast. Gotta save it for the full full blast. We go yeah. full blast podcast. Something I wanted to do for a long time. Maybe I'll do the the single track, the single track style, and not so knifey. Yeah, I, I think know. if this lockdown continues, I think we will get to the point where everybody has a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so far, like I mean, look, everyone's number. on Instagram oh, live. Podcast. Everyone's yeah. on Instagram live doing a, who knows what. Yeah. <laughs> what's the so full? That's what... uh, sorry, Jeff. What's the full blast thing? What is? That? I was originally going to do. Before Craig reached out to us, I was going to do my own podcast called The Full Blast Podcast, where it's based on how I wanted to do a podcast based on uh, my old, you know, loving of, you know, old school New York radio and stuff like that. So it's something that I've always wanted to do. I actually have one in the tank that I did. I recorded on uh, GarageBand, uh, but it's not it's not good enough. I got to do it over again. So I would probably I'd like to do that again. Uh, speaking of which, I forgot to tell you, I was talking to Ner- Mert Tansu on Instagram Live, and he said, hey, you know, you got to come down onto uh, Knife Talk uh, Down Under. A uh, Knife Talk Down Under, I kept saying. I said, <laughs> you know, so Knife Making Down Under. And I'm like, yeah, anytime. He's like, well, we're recording in five minutes. You want to be on it? I'm like, sure. So they, I guess they were, do- they've been doing these drunken podcasts where they've been drinking a lot. And then, you know, just like being in, you know, in a bar, you know, shooting the shit and stuff like that. So they stopped everything and had me on. It was, you know, middle of the night for them, but eight o'clock in the morning for me. And uh, I think I'm going to be on the next episode of Knife Making Down Under, which should we had a, we had a, we had a couple laughs. Right. So, Conquering the world. Well, you know, I wasn't really expected. It was literally like, when we, well, hey, you going to come on the podcast? Like any time. He's like, all right, we're we're doing it in five minutes. Can you want to come on? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so we had a good time. Um, those guys are good guys, you know. So what do we we talked about? We talked about this podcast a lot and what they're doing. And I told you told a couple. I told a couple funny stories. They 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 had to bring up. <laughs> you're gonna have to listen to it, Craig. But they had to bring up that whole Schwab thing. So you're gonna have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I defended you. I defended you. You know, honorably. So we talked about Ben Jam and Cocker and all that stuff. Is all the, oh, yeah. you know, they wanted to know all of the little things that were going on in the podcast. They edit a lot. I told them we don't edit at all. They're like, you don't edit at all? I'm like, you don't edit at all. So Straight in the can. Straight in the can. That's what she said. Goodbye. So before we get to news, uh, just a reminder of how people can get hold of us. Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. <laughs> so is our roving reporter ready? Yeah. <laughs> you can't prep him. This is Mareko Malmasi with breaking news. Uh, no, uh, I'm nope. reporting from Icebox. To, what's that? Is there breaking news on a recorded podcast? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <guess> sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> if you haven't heard already, yeah. uh, Blade Show uh, has new dates set for August 7th to 9th. Uh, if you are planning on attending or uh, want to be uh, a purveyor at the show, um, go check them out at bladeshow.com. They'll have their info there uh, on how to do all that. Also, on the Artisans of Steel calendar, the month of May, we are now in the month of May, um, and Tiger Lily Night is the pinup for 
the month of May. And I'm pretty sure Jason, uh, Jason Knight, her father, and herself, uh, at the very least, will be at that Blade Show. You should bring your calendars if you got them. Make sure she gets the uh, she signs it. That'd be pretty sweet. Uh, other than that, uh, just a reminder: uh, our friend Josh Smith had to call off the Big Sky Conference. This is his hammer, and he was planning on holding in Montana. And um, due to everything going on right now, he's uh, he's not even push. He's not going to push the dates out at all. He's just completely canceling it for this year. Um, but he's planning to make it bigger and better for next year. Um, that way, you know, basically he's got a whole nother year to plan everything and get everything together. He actually just finished uh, getting his shop rebuilt. Um, well, I guess framed out. Uh, they're still working on wiring and insulating. But it looks good. he's making it a, an awesome place for people to come and spend time and to learn and to uh, to hold the hammer in. Uh, otherwise, Jeff, you got, I guess you talked about your, your coffee. Can you tell us where people can find it and, and how they can buy it? Yes, if you go to peakscalecoffee.com, you can get yourself some Fader Knives EDC. 70% goes to uh, feed the front lines, which is great. I'm not seeing a penny, nor do I want to. Uh, we already sold 136 bags. Our goal is 250 for this project, and then we're, we're actually talking about, because we did so well, we're all looking into something, uh, another another organization that's doing something. So we're going to keep that on the list. It, unfortunately, they can't do international, but uh, it's great. It's 15 bucks plus shipping, um, and I, I'm not going to read the notes. I read the notes last week, but I had some today, and it tasted great. I was very, very surprised. It was, it was very, very – it just tastes like great coffee. It's down the middle, excellent tasting coffee. Uh, I'll have to save some for you. Craig and ship some out to you um, when things mm. you know. I don't want it sitting in. A, I don't want it sitting in some French post box while you're while you're waiting while you're waiting for it. And, and just like Jeff, this coffee has got a heavy body, yeah. very bitter, heavy body, slightly heavy nutty, body. and smells of malt liquor. Oh, you motherfucker! You changed it. it doesn't smell like malt liquor. I don't smell like malt liquor either. Maybe I smell like you know vodka and Jameson's, but that's about it. <laughs> but uh yeah let's see i see he changed the notes you slightly son of you slightly slightly nutty you're a slight son of a bitch you slightly. um but it tastes great it, it uh, it's great and you know we're we're very happy with how it's going and i appreciate you guys and i actually talked to the owner of the pop coffee house and she says your friends are crazy and i'm like no 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 <laughs> yeah, they're saying they're sending everything to forge this and forge that She's like, oh my god you guys drink so much coffee so it was really funny so Bader nice. Knives, EDC, Peekskill Coffee House, PeekskillCoffee.com. You were saying you and really enjoyed... Of... Oh, <laughs> Sorry, go on, Mark. Go on. I was just going to say, you were, you were saying, Jeff, that you really enjoy the coffee. How do you take your coffee? Yeah. Black? I, I'll tell you. You want to be honest? And, I, and I, I'm still... Flavors, I still... The taste isn't really coming. I don't have... I still don't have a lot of taste. <laughs> so I never did. So, uh, ever since he tested positive for coronavirus three weeks ago, three Thursdays ago, something like that. So one of the things is I've lost my sense of taste, but I can taste like strong. I can taste it's blurry. It's a blurry taste. So I take my coffee. Don't laugh at me, but we found this almond milk creamer. That's great. And I oh, just have it with fucking hipster. Jeez, almond milk. Do you, do you ride a unicycle to work too? And, and <laughs> wax your hey, man, I, I'm allowed to. Gah! What, I mean, what am I supposed to say? I, you want me to be honest or you want me to lie? All right, drink it black. 
no, I, I found this. We found this almond milk creamer. We're not eating. A, we're not eating a lot of dairy uh, in the house, except for cheese and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But we found this almond milk creamer that's delicious. So I put a little almond milk creamer in, and that's it. Ah, you hipster! <laughs> God damn it! What can I say? What do you mean to be honest? You go ahead. Knock me about. No, it's all. It's all. I, I, I've got this thing where, especially with coffee, people are like, "Oh, if you don't have it a certain way, you're not a proper coffee aficionado." And I just think, you know, everybody's got different tastes. I'm not. Some, you know some what? Some don't have taste, but you know, it's 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 whatever gets you through the. I don't have taste. You. I don't have taste, but that's all I know. So I mean, you know, I grew up drinking coffee regular from bodegas, where it was just like milk and sugar. So I don't really, you know, I don't. We we got it. Tastes fine. I'm not a. You know, I don't know from pour overs and all that, but looks like there we is. lost Mareko. Mareko, are you there? No, I'm not there. No, he's gone. All right, let's I'm keep going. He'll be back. He'll be back. So I think that's it with the news. Um, the other thing with the news was Mareko's Forged in Place videos. Um, I think he's got two up on YouTube now with more to come. So make you make sure you follow him at uh, Momassi Fire Arts on YouTube. I also got on one you, on YouTube. On YouTube, I actually got <laughs> a nice message from a guy who oh, John Phillips, Phillips Forge. He said, um, "Not sure if you guys are still doing the calendar portion of the show, but since since everything's canceled, but the Dama Steel Chefs Invitational Show, which was supposed to be in Chicago on May 18th, has been moved to an online format where anyone in the world can come. You can view and purchase knives and meet the makers at the same time. It's a ticketed event." including VIPs allowing first access, all the details above at damasteel.com. The show will feature v- virtual booths with cutting and sharpening demos from guys like Chef, Culture Living Good, and uh, work with some of the best knife makers in the world. There will be an award portion as well as some speakers. I think it's a cool format that might become a new model for knife shows as well uh, as other crafts. Stay well and keep up the good work. That's John uh, John Phillips, phillips.forged. Put that one in. Cool. So, of course, that's May 18th. Look, people have to figure out ways in which they can, um, people have to figure out which ways in which to go forward, you know, mm. and that online is, online is going to be huge. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think people are going to have to be creative with these things and, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Definitely. Okay. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? That bit where you send us the questions and we try our best to answer them, but we're not always correct. Um, let's jump straight in with the first one, which is Corey underscore Bean underscore Bladesmith. Hey, fellas, can I ask you a question? At what point in the knife-making process do you feel the most joy or fulfillment um, since our crazy world today is so negative? That's a good question. I love yeah. fulfillment. What gets your juices flowing when you're on working yeah. on a knife, Jeff? Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I, I wish I could do all forged. If I could do all forged, I enjoy the forging the most and it Mm. it the funny part is is after you've actually forged everything and you're forging a shape and every time you forge a knife you're trying to get better and better and you try you're noticing the things you did the last time you you know in regards to forging integral knives how you can make the bolster cleaner or how you can pull the heel down farther and then every time you do it you learn something new and then you you know you put what you've learned the next knife i always like that part but then when you're finished finished you're just like, Ugh, I still have to clean it up and treat it and stuff like that. Um, after I, and then that part, and then when I finish a knife and I put, I put it under the buffer after the handle's done. That's the, that's a, that's a good part. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like the if you're using like like a wood, it's that oiling, you know. So you, you've given it um, you give it a good sand job, and then uh, oiling up afterwards. That's that's the uh, that's the bit for me. And you, everything sort of pops, and you get to see you know the the, uh, the patterns and so on from the wood. Yeah, the oiling that's always the always a good bit. Mareko, Mareko's back. At what point in knife making process do you feel the most joy or fulfillment? Oh, can't hear you at all. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? You don't say. Oh, that's the, your favorite part, the sweeping up? Oh, you don't say. Well, hopefully we can sort Morocco out right. and he'll be back in, back in the show soon. He said he likes cruising around wearing his polar bear pajamas and, and sweeping the shop. That's his favorite part. All right, the next question comes from Taylor Falconry. Hey, cuties, can I ask you a question? I've noticed that, in, that sometimes... I've noticed that sometimes propane coal, propane coal and charcoal heated forges are used in the same shop. Why would a single blacksmith blacksmith need all three heating sources available to them? Are there advantages and disadvantages to each? Thank you for the wonderful and informative podcast. Keep safe. Maintain a six foot radius. Mareko, you there? Good question. Mareko, you there? Nope. All right. Well, nope. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you until he's gone again. All right. Well, this we'll see. So, the they're both great, and I have friends who use uh, coke forges, coal forges, and uh, uh, propane. So propane gives you an even heat. So when you put your whole knife in, you get an even heat. The great part about uh, propane is it's even and it's very controllable and you can get it even all the way through. The best part about a coal forge is you can focus. You can focus the heat on a certain thing. So like I was recently, uh, recently, about a year and a half ago, I was talking to Lynn Ray about his x-ray knives. It's, the, it's in my opinion, the best blacksmith knife there is. His design where he actually forges a, a rivet and then he makes the reins very long. They come back around and then he rivets them down. He says that a coke forge is the most important because you can focus the heat on that uh, connection. So, like, he don't want to. Maybe he doesn't want to heat the uh, the blade, or maybe he doesn't want to heat the tang. He wants to heat the center part. You can put a coke forge. You can kind of centralize the heat, so uh, you have more control to a certain degree. And a lot of people say, "Wow, who wants to do that?" I've seen guys like Kevin Cashin do this thing where they'll take a coke forge. They'll put in a uh, piece of four by four tube, and then they'll create like an oven, uh, like a convection mm. oven. So you can kind of create that whole um, that even heat uh, on, on with a coke forge. But really, that's it. And I think a lot of times is um, with a coke forge, you can get a hot. You can like you can change the heat uh, of the you know the the coke or the the fuel faster like based on how much air goes in and air goes out so they're both you know it's like i mean it would be like you know having just a different attachment so i I think for us for me i don't i don't really like using coke forges i used to use them back in the day and i just found them to be you got to keep your eye on them because you can burn you burn everything and I, i feel like uh with a with a gas forge you have a little bit more relaxing a lot of people would re- say it's kind of like the difference between stick shift and standard yeah. so not yeah. that i know because i can't drive stick have you seen anybody using any of those inductive forges yes i have uh, actually Being my buddy cliff dufton 
has one at his workplace, uh, the place the, where he teaches, uh, he teaches art school. And they have one, and it and I've seen I've seen uh, Greg Sims use it, and it, and I also seen the guys at uh, New England School of Metalwork. It's amazing. I mean, because you just it's just these coils, and all right, everyone's gonna give me a send me the, you know, their <laughs> the, the whole story on what they're all about. They're coils, and then you put your steel through the coil, and then it heats up as it goes passes through. So, like, if you were trying to soften the tang up, if you were gonna drill it into the handle you can you know isolate the heat for just uh whatever you stick in so it, it's it's yeah. incredible i mean it is it looks like magic it's really cool i saw one at cutelia last year and at first i was like what the hell is that because obviously it's you know it, it's yeah. electrically powered so whereas you know i i generally use my even heat and things like that but you know you you can't really get a certain part of the steel hot and not the rest it's all or nothing um, which right. is perfect for what I need it for. But yeah, seeing these inductive things work, it's it's yeah, it's like magic. It is amazing. It is totally amazing. I think I saw someone stick a hot dog through it too. So <laughs> you would, you would, <laughs> not their hot dog. <laughs> they put their penis through it. I'm saying they put a hot dog. Just on a warm setting. <laughs> <laughs> you stick your wiener in the duction furnace. You got a problem. <laughs> uh, Dustin Young asks, "Hey Cutie, I have a question. What are your tips for people that see themselves transitioning from a hobbyist to a maker who actually sells his work? Any inside info is appreciated." So, just to come back, we're, we're starting a lot of these with "Hey Cutie." Um, <laughs> it's not because we're, we're completely vain. It's just that we're way back, probably fifty, sixty shows ago, um, we had a beef where we mentioned people slipping into our DMs and they'd say, "Hey Cutie," and they're generally sort of spam porn accounts that kind yeah. of thing and since then all the questions we get say hey cutie so it's not us adding hey cutie to these questions yeah. they generally are arriving to us in that right way. but where were we yes um tips for people who um transition it transitioning from a hobbyist to a maker who sells their work any any tips you know i think it's very interesting because i we get this a lot like a lot of people want to know what if there's like a, a checkpoint or check boxes in regards to how you are, how you're progressing as, um, as a maker. And, and to me, it's almost like when, and I'm not a, I don't do martial arts at all, or I'm not a boxer. It's like, it's almost as if it's the same people want to know, well, when am I going to, when am I going to get to the point where I'm like a black belt, you know? And I think that there's this, I think that there's this eagerness for instant gratification, but I feel like, you almost have to, and it, I think it has to do with age as well. You know, I'm a, I'm a bit older and I'm a little bit more relaxed in regards to just keep working and try not to think about it and just, you know, learn and, and not focus on, you know, what's ahead of you. You know, and just this idea of just getting better and getting better and then people start to buy them and then people start to, you're getting better and you're constantly changing the way you do things. And then you're constantly growing, then you can naturally progress into it. You know, I, but other than that, I, I hate, I, I don't hate it, but it's just like, it's too difficult to give someone an exact, um, yeah, you know, there's no, it's not a binary thing, is it? You don't right. wake up one day and say, right, all of a sudden I'm a professional knife maker. Um, I mean, in, in my circumstance, it was a case of, you know, you start selling a few and then, you know, that sort of builds over time. And I think, I think you've got to make that decision once you find that, you know, it's bringing in an income right. and that income is enough to sort of support you and pay bills and all the rest of it. Then you can make that thing. But it doesn't need to be a binary thing. It's not either either or, or. A lot of people, you know, they do this as a side hustle and they're very good at what they do. You know, there's some amazing life workers who still who still have a, a regular job, yeah. nine to five. 
Oh, 100%. So, you know, Mike he, Quisenberry, he's a train conductor. And he's just like, I'm not, wow. I, I, I do this for, you know, easy, you know, fun little side money. Then he can yeah. do what he wants to do. I think that there's this, you know, especially when you talk to guys like uh, Chris Zepp from Make Everything Shop, he did a whole video on the fact that he has, like, he has made his life wrap around his job as a construction. I think he's a construction manager, not a construction manager, but he represents owners in the building process. And then mm. he's able to, you know, run home and or run to his shop and do a whole secondary job. And I think that really what it comes down to is what, you know, people get worried about what they're pigeonholed or full-time, you part-time, or, you know, or, 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 and I think that it becomes, it's too stunting to your mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's I think that's the main thing. It's right. everybody's gonna be different anyway. Um, but there's no you know, you don't flick a switch and right, right I've stopped doing yeah, that. There's no now check I do this. There's no check boxes. There's no check boxes. Yeah. Like, okay, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this now professional. Yeah. I think we answered that one pretty good. Um yeah, this one comes from Core Knife and Tool. How do you fellas make sure your carbon steel knives stay safe from moisture in shipping? Uh like oil, wax? Cheers, Mitch. Oh, what do you? What I do you use do? something called um, camellia oil, which is a, a natural oil um, which you can put on the blade, um, and it, it almost sort of hardens a bit. It almost goes to like a soft wax after a while. It'll sort of set a bit, um, and yeah, that'll protect the blade. Um, it's, it's it's completely food safe, um, but you know, ideally, you want people to wash it off before they before they start using the knife but you know if they don't it's it's not going to kill them so yeah that's a good one camellia oil um it's quite thick um and it's one of those oils that you need to keep at a certain temperature otherwise it'll, it'll sort of go hard and all the rest of it so yeah yeah i, th- I, th- I think it's, it's it's camellia or it's something like that it's a it's a natural oil anyway you're 100 percent right you know and i never heard of it until i you know i heard of it from one time and then you guys kept you guys talked about it in a previous episode and i got me some I used to use food safe mineral oil um, because I've actually, you know, you know, sometimes when you're finishing a blade and then you wrap the blade up to put the handle on, I use paper towels and I use paper towels and I, then I use paper towels and then electric tape. And then I must've left it or it was humid or I don't know, I left it for a bit. And then when I finished the bl- the knife, the handle, I, un- I did everything off and I already got it rusted. And I was like, from now on, I use, I got the camellia oil. And I, and I like it a lot. And I, I, I'm putting on everything. I'm putting on everything all the time because... And it goes a long way too. Just a little bit on your finger, it'll go a long, long way. Yeah. Sounds sexy. A little bit <laughs> on your finger, a little bit goes a long way, core knife tool. Whew. Matt Voigt Custom Blades says, Hey guys, I normally use RWL34 stainless for my kitchen knives. I've got a few customers that are wanting a carbon chef knife. I've been trying to figure out what steel would be the best. If you guys were going to make a chef knife from a high carbon steel, what would it be and why? That's a good question. Hmm. What do you use? I started by using O1 steel. Right. Um, and for a good few years, that was always my go-to. Um, I now use 52100 for all the carbon steel knives that I do. Um simply because I it's not as I don't find it as corrosive as O one. Um and I think if you're heat treating well, you're gonna do well with, with whatever you're using. So um I've ch- I've 
decided to stick with 52100 just simply because I've got my heat treating, you know, sort of dialed in and it works. So I think, well, is there any point in trying something new where there could be, you know, a few months of, you know, dialing things in again? Um, so, yeah, that's the only thing I've done. I've used 01 and I've jumped then to 52100 and I, I really like it. it. It's for a carbon steel, it, it seems to have um, properties where it doesn't rust as much as 01. Um, and yeah, I seem to get good edges. We're going to be in agreement because I used to use 1084 and then 1095 because it was easily available. And then I was having problems with my heat treatment and I was getting, uh, I was getting in a, ba- in a couple batches and it was my fault. It was all user error. I was getting, um, it's not called auto homo. We talk, it's just like un, uh, it's un, I was getting a lot of these blotchy unconverted austenite bubbles. And it looked like a homon, but it's not. It's it's uncon it's austenite that didn't convert over the Martin site, and it just looked like ugh. I was like, what's going on here? And then I was talking. I had a a piece of fifty two one hundred, and I was talking to my buddy John, uh, Jonathan Porter, and he was just like, yeah, yeah. And he gave me his heat treatment uh, schedule, and I tried it, and I was like, God, this is great. And I had heard so much uh, before from uh, guys like Aaron Wilburn, who makes uh, beautiful shaft knives. He uses fifty two one hundred a lot, and I was like, let's give it a whirl. I love fifty two one hundred, and I'm I everything you said I agree with. I I try to only use fifty two one hundred because I'm just I got the heat treatment down. I think it makes a kick ass uh, chef's knife. Uh, it's hard, um, but uh, it, it's great. I love it. I think it's great. Perfect. Yeah, in agreement. There nice. you go. Oh, next one uh, comes from Paulum fr. Hey, man. Can I ask you a question? What's your favorite? Well, I think he's he's French. He's got a .fr, which is our sort of French domain, like .com. Oh. BFR. It's, it's so I think Paul he's listening to French accent. Hey, Paul M. Hey, man. Can I ask you a question? What's your favorite type of wine? Bordeaux? Bergerac? Burgundy? That, that's my answer. You oh, that's your that. fucking answer? Oh, I don't know why you're writing on your answer. You forgot? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite type of wine? Is What is... Go ahead. <laughs> um... I'm a big uh, red wine drinker. Yeah. Um, I, I do like a, like a white as long as it's super super dry and right. that sort of dry that catches the back of your throat. So it's almost like salt water dry, you know. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to reds, it's got to begin with a B, and then you know a big red, which would be like a Bordeaux or Bergerac right. or Burgundy. Um, they're all local wines to me, I suppose. Bordeaux is my sort of region here with yeah. regards to wine. Um, so I can get very, very good wine, very, very cheap. Is it? Um, and that that's the one thing we were told when we came to France is, oh, you know, buy the local wine because it's its far cheaper than uh, anything else. And what we were finding, the same bottles of Bordeaux, which we get over here, very cheap. When we were in the UK, these were super, super expensive. Huh. So, yeah, um, as long as it begins with a B, it's generally going to be good. That's that's my sort of motto. So Bordeaux, <laughs> Bergerac or Burgundy. Or if we want something, you know, light and f- sort of fresh tasting, it's another bee. It's Beaujolais. Greg, I have a new one for you. It's called Bullshit Balls. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Well, Are you much of a wine drinker? I, you know, I don't really talk about this very much, but my dad was a winemaker in the Hudson Valley. He was actually one of the first. He was one of the pioneers of, of wine uh, growing in the Hudson Valley. So I got, I was in a, I was been in a winery for a long, long time growing up. And we made white wines. And uh, we, he made white wines. And he made a wine. It was, a, it was an American hybrid. It was an American French hybrid called Saval Blanc, which is very, very similar to uh, Sauvignon Blanc. 
um, Sauvignon Blanc, the normal notes to a Sauvignon Blanc are, it's very fruit forward. There's a lot of like hints of uh, pineapple, very tropical tasting. They're usually a little bit on the sweeter side. The, the best the Sauvignon Blanc, in my opinion, is from your neck of the woods, Sancerre. I'm not sure it's not your neck of the woods. but uh, Not it's far. Called... It's not far at all. Yeah, yeah. Sancerre is about as good as it gets as far as I'm concerned in terms of white wines. Um, but um, I I do – my wife likes red wines, and I drink a lot. We drink uh, Pinot Noirs, and I like uh, – I'm pretty cheap, so I don't need – I don't feel like I need to spend 20 bucks on a bottle of wine. I, I don't really get into the whole – this one's $45 and you need that because it's going to have this fucking, you know, I mean, unless it's like, you know, sticking your finger up my ass at the, at the end of the class sip, I'm not too interested. Not that I'm very interested, but I mean, I mean, not that, I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> is that what you're in? Breaking news, news, Jeff yeah. is really in the butt It's got to have a hand. It's got to have a hand in the bottle. <laughs> well, Mareko's back and we, well, now we can ask you the question, what kind of wines do you like? Something with a tight fit. <laughs> Something with a... <laughs> Good one, man. You there? Yeah, uh, I like red. Oh, you like red. That's cool. it? Yeah, we, basically, we had a question from paulm.fr saying, uh, what's your favorite type of wine? Cool. All right. Yeah, I, I, I'm not very... I don't... I mean, I just heard Jeff saying... You know, he doesn't get too crazy into it. I just like red wine that tastes good. That's about it. Drier versus sweet. You know, one thing that was interesting is, you know, growing up in a winery, my my dad had a, when he had his winery, uh, we noticed the change in the people, Americans, the way they drank wine. And a lot of it had to do with how they were raised. And one of the reasons why is if you're, you know, your child of the 70s and 80s and you're drinking a lot of soda, when you get of age, you're more comfortable with some sweeter wines. So his sweeter wines used mm. to move like crazy. So like these drier wines, like, you know, you were talking about like uh, uh, wines with like, you know, like your area with a lot of like, you know, we're not talking wines. So, but, but it was interesting to, for me that to see how people change, change their, t- I mean, Americans change their taste in wines. And shout out to Australia because the Australians have some kick-ass wines. Shiraz, mate. Yeah. Really. Mate. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll take the next one, and then Mareko can sort of see where we are on the notes Great. and catch up a little bit. This so is the next perfect one is from perfect. Peter Nelson Design. I love the look of a coffee finish, but the couple of times I've tried it, it looked great until I had used and washed the knife a couple of times. Then it just washed away. Is it just what happens, or am I doing something wrong? He says, many thanks for the podcast. It's great company in the workshop. Hmm. Uh, all right, so I've... I've had issues with coffee not holding. If I go into the ferric and etch in ferric first and then leave some of that, uh, like that contrast from the ferric on the blade before going into the coffee. And I don't know if it it's an unstable layer between the blade and the coffee, um, but I have had it just basically wipe right off. Um, what I what I've been doing is I'll etch in ferric and then I'll scrub the blade clean uh, with 2000 grit sandpaper and then I'll go into the ferric. So I'm knocking off any oxides that are on the surface um, of the blade from the ferric before going into the coffee. Um, something else I've been trying to do to make the, I've, I've found that make the, uh, the darks more stable. And this is actually, uh, this is a tip that I got from 
Neil Kamimura. He's he's using this uh, body like prep that that they use for automobile like cars and 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 uh, doing paint and stuff like that. Is that they uh, they let the surface air dry? So they do obviously do a lot of wet sanding for body prep and paint. And you can't you got you can't paint right on top of that. You gotta let it dry. And so he's been letting it air dry. And uh, I started doing that, and I found a substantial difference in the durability of the contrast, even with just ferric as well, but by letting it air dry. And you don't have to, I would not advise using heat to air dry it. I would just let it dry in the ambient air, or maybe use a, a fan if you really want it to happen quickly. Um, but yeah, when you come out of the coffee, put it in your neutralizing solution. Um, and then rinse it off afterward. I have I keep a spray bottle nearby. Spray it clean or rinse it clean. And then you can even let it air dry by just swinging the blade back and forth. Uh, as long as you got a good grip on it and you don't let it slide out and go flying across the shop. Um, it should air, air dry actually surprisingly quickly. And um, and the, the black will be a lot more durable. Um, and I don't know what it is, you know, I don't know the science behind it and why it works this way, but it's way, 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 way more durable by letting it air dry before even touching it. No, don't even wipe it. Don't do anything. Let it air dry. And then you can do whatever kind of wipe down or waxing or whatever you or applying of oil that you want to do afterward. Nice. And bonus points. If anybody can take a picture of their, their coffee etched on with um, Jeff's EDC coffee from Peaks Kill Coffee. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't waste the coffee. Don't waste the coffee. I could. Yeah. Uh, it, it, so it takes a really high concentration, right? which is why the instant coffee works so well. Because, you know, uh, uh, what is it? A tablespoon of instant coffee is supposed to be like a six ounce or eight ounce cup of coffee. Like it's really highly concentrated. It would take several bags. So, I mean... I guess you could brew several bags and reduce it down. Some some Sonic coffee demi glaze. That'd be disgusting. It'd be disgusting. <laughs> Keep it with the Nescafe All right. Classico. Go ahead. Yeah. Is there anything you guys want to add to that? Zero. Nothing. I've, I've never done it. So yeah, you're the oh. man. Yeah. What am I gonna? How are you gonna add anything to that? Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Just asking. Uh, this next one is from Mezeshmied Hangler. I think I got that right. Hopefully Sounds I didn't screw it up. I don't care. I, hope you, uh, I wanted you to fuck it up, be honest, honestly. <laughs> Which I think is Knifesmith. I may German start changing the names a little bit just to kind of help it along. <laughs> try to have a, have a, a non-organic fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead McGillicuddy says, says. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Anya Johnson says, "Hey guys, I'm on, I'm a longtime listener of your podcast. Started at, at episode one, and I still love it. I wanted to simply thank you all of you for the work you uh, you do and the knowledge you share, but most importantly for creating." Uh, helping create a community which shares its knowledge. I think people like you have completely changed the mindset of many makers in regards of sharing their workflow and giving advice to others. Thank you, Tobias. There you go. Oh, Very nice. Thank you, Tobias. I, I got to give props to Craig. Yeah. Craig's the, putting it all together. He's the godfather. Putting it all together. Well, to be honest, I think if you two hadn't joined the show, I don't think you'd still be going. I think I would have sort of run out of people just to interview. So, yeah, you two guys are just as... Just as important. But thank you so much, Tobias. Um, 
from episode one. That's that's a lot of hours you've put in. Yeah. P.S. Mareko, Anya Anya Johnson, I've never heard before, and that is excellent. <laughs> Anya Johnson is a fucking excellent, excellent one. That is excellent. Never heard that one. The before. reason it's that is actually <laughs> a girl that lives in my town. Oh, <laughs> no. Get out of here. It's her it's her real fucking name. And when somebody told me oh, that, I full, I thought they were full, full of shit. And I believed it for long or I thought they were lying for the longest time until she introduced herself to me. And I was like, holy fuck, you gotta not do that. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> don't introduce yourself to people. <laughs> do you want to hear something totally crazy? I was listening to Howard Stern and he had Amy Schumer on. Amy Schumer's an American comedian. Oh, sure. She's fine. She's good. Yeah. She married a guy named Fisher. And she's very, very close. This is the craziest thing in the world. Oh, she's a, she's she's very close to this other comedian, a great comedian named is Dave Attell. He's I guess they've known each other, you know, he, his mother used to babysit or something like that. So he wanted she wanted to name her have his name in her in the kid's name. So <clears throat> she named her kid Gene. Right, first name Gene. Mm. Second name after Dave. He named Attell. Fisher. So say the whole name to, at the one time. <laughs> Genital Gene Fisher. Fisher. <laughs> Genital Fisher. And she oh, didn't Jesus. know for a month until some oh. troll snuck in her in his D in her DMs and said, "You named your kid Genital Genital <laughs> Fisher." Can you believe that she had to, a month later they had to change the lot in the middle name to Dave because we're gonna, we're gonna keep it. <laughs> just Dave. <laughs> Dave. But can you fucking and she, and and Howard's just like, how can you? How could you let that? You must have wanted to do that on purpose. And she goes, No, of course not. <sighs> can you imagine? I'm like holding my fingers in the like, Italian pinch position right now, saying, shaking them at the microphone. How can you name your kid fucking Genital Fisher? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh... And it's the imagination then to change to Dave. Oh, well, I mean, she's just like, well, I'm going to hurry up. Let's just do a date. But I mean, that is a stun. And it's on the internet. It's like, I mean, it's such an, I mean, wow. Anya Johnson's bad, but General Fisher, there's no excuse for General Fisher. <laughs> there's no excuse for that. How can you not? Gene oh, Attell Fisher. Get the fuck out of here, man. There you go. Jeff, t- tell me about your grind. Let me tell you what I got. I got a Broadbeck Ironworks 2x72 grinder. I love this grinder. And before they became a sponsor of our podcast, I'd been dealing with them, and I couldn't be happier. And one of the reasons why is because it's made by two, there's both these guys, uh, Ryan Broadbeck and Vince from Dreamer, Dreamer Forge, uh, great guys. And they make these beautiful grinders, and they wanted to, they're knife makers making Nigh, nigh, um, grinders for knife makers so they know all your the things that you don't like about your grinders so they change theirs to address them a lot of times a lot of these grinder companies they may make them based on all right here's what you do they've made little features that are very great and easy and versatile for grinders the platins are super long their work rests are super long and adjustable you can go uh horizontal vertical all their arms are, uh, they only have, one, you only need one arm, and all the attachments fit on the slack belt arm. It's intuitive. They're very smart. They figured out ways to give you value. One of the reasons is, one of the ways is they don't paint. People say, oh, you're not going to paint it. 
well, if we have to paint it, it's gonna you're gonna have to pay more for it. And then it, you do put it together, but it's very easy to put together. And um, because they can, it's put together, they can lump the shipping in with uh, the price. The you're not they're not nickel and diming you, so the price is the price of shipping is in the price of the grinder. The other thing is is they also do a lot of uh, every so often they do some sales. They're very good about giving you um, the much as much value as possible. Uh, and if you type in Knife Talk 5, they're going to give you 5% off on their grinder. Get yourself the VFD. Go get yourself um, the, you know, the the different uh, wheel attachments. Uh, they're working on a surface grinder attachment, and they're working on a uh, integral bolster attachment. So it's it's a great company, and they're good dudes, and they're just like you. They just want to, you know, they want to help you out. There we go. Knife Talk 5. Awesome. Broadbeck Ironworks. Next question from Backcountry Knives. Um, hey, man, can I ask you a question? What are the best 2x72 belts to use for grinding a lot of material off? I think that sets us up very nicely for... Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! I think that's your answer, Backcountry Knives. Um, I should have, I should have spaced see... those all out better. I apologize. That was my bad, guys. <laughs> you it's shouldn't have fine. had two it's commercials back-to-back. Fine. It's fine. So, um, yeah, I mean, whether it's commercial or not, I, I'd use a um, Shredders from Combat Abrasives because they just, they just honestly, they eat through the steel. Um, particularly their sort of 36 and 60s and 80 grits. Um, ceramic belts, um, nice sort of stiff back into them. Um, and since I started using them, I haven't used anything else. So uh, for me, it would be a a, a shredder from uh, Combat Abrasives. For getting a lot of material off, I love the 36 grit shredders. I also like the 80s. I usually get the 36, 80, and then I'll have, I'll get 120s and then 220s, 400s. 800s and that's and then scotch brand yeah. belts those are the really the belts i get i really the like 60s, their uh, they have a, for wood sorry yeah they have a ceramic blend 220 j flex that i really like uh especially for doing it actually uh, i like it for getting in and blending uh on my blade um JFlex, I feel like, is typically used for uh, like handle sculpting and stuff, but it allows me to kind of fold that uh, the edge of the belt around the corner uh, of my platen and kind of blend in into uh, from the blade to the bolster transition, especially. And it's also really nice for getting into the like the finger finger choil area, like ricasso of the handle, yeah, uh, or sorry, of the blade, and cleaning up the backside of that too. Um, but yeah, it's it's a f- super flexible blade, and it's also really great, obviously, for handle sculpting. So I'll actually start them on wood and do the scu- some sculpting on wood, and then when it doesn't seem to be cutting the wood very nicely, I move it over and it's ready to be used on the steel. Um, so I'm not a fan. You know, just sorry, as, sorry, go ahead, I apologize. I was thinking, just as an aside from that, I wonder if anybody has rounded off their their the edge of their platen and using then a flexible belt. It would give you the the equivalent of a you know a small wheel, I suppose. What if anybody's done that? I've seen, and I mean, it wouldn't. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go on. I've seen people grind off their edge, the edge of their platen for that to do that. Sorry, really. 
For sure. Yeah, I hadn't seen it, and I, the thought just occurred to me. I mean, it wouldn't need to be the whole platen, because obviously you still want those crispy edges for, you know, your plunge lines and so on. But, you know, just sure. a little bit of it. And if you've got one of those, you know, those tool rests that can go up and down as much as anything else, you could have a little area there where you've got a nice little radius. There you go. Oh, I may yeah. give it a go. It's a good move. I don't like J-Flex belts against a hard platen. I don't like that oh, se- yeah. the seam of the the seam of the tape that gives me that chatter and it annoys that the shit out of me. Clickety clackety, yeah. Hmm. It annoys the shit out of me. I haven't noticed much of a chatter, mm-hmm. but yeah, that is definitely not a good thing no. for belts doing that. Okay, the next All question right. comes from Aaron, Iron and Steel. Hey man, can I ask you a question? I want to put up, I want to put a half inch thick brass butt cap on a non-integral chef knife. I originally intended to thread the tang and butt cap and just screw it on, but I'm worried because the knife is so thin that the tang will be too thin to put in decent threads, decent threads onto the tang. How would you guys attach a butt cap onto a chef's knife? It doesn't need to be via the tang you could always put a screw thread on there and sort of weld that on and do it that way i suppose yeah um yeah i've, I've never used a butt cap it's it's, it's not my thing baby <laughs> i've never used a butt cap don't tell tell these people the truth man come on man have a little bit of that red wine the big bees a couple big bees uh, yeah, yeah then one up your bit of oil on the finger then one up your then one up your bee we're all good yeah we're all, we're all your butt your butt chugging that red wine jeff uh, you know <laughs> i have a butt cap i can only i can only have so much that's what the butt cap is it prevents you from overdoing it <laughs> Uh, I think if if it was my knife and I was trying to apply a quarter inch thick brass butt cap, uh, I would do yeah exactly what Craig actually said. I've seen people just do little uh, uh, just pins, uh, so they'll drill into the the butt cap just the slightest little bit so they can put in uh, inset a like an eighth inch pin and they'll key it, uh, which means just hit it with like some one like two twenty or one twenty sandpaper before they. Uh, glue it or silver solder into the butt cap um and then they'll attach that to the back of the the knife handle um but i've i actually like using a th- all thread uh because it basically is does the same job but it's already got you know it's got the threads as little kind of like teeth on on the uh on the pins that help hold it in there i've seen but, uh reed schwartz yeah. he makes the tank super long and then it goes through the back end. He puts the butt cap on. I think he softens the end of the tang so he sure. can peen it over to hold on to that butt cap. Right. Nothing? That is definitely silence. Silence. Well, I, mean, I was trying to, trying to not giggle. <laughs> I'm talking about peen, peening on the end of your butt cap. <laughs> yeah, so, so I suppose there's, there's a couple of ways there. Yeah. So childish. There's a couple of ways. Shall we move Please. on? I'm so yeah. childish. This next one is from Nice Handmade Knives. It says, you guys kick ass and, and a huge thank you for the awesome info. Uh, for us knife makers, you guys are an amazing resource, especially during this time where a lot of us beginners are out of work and have more time to be in our shops. My question is based on the fact that when I started learning, I I 
used my uh, jujitsu brain and focused on uh, getting in as many reps as possible. I made seven knives at once versus one so I could work on the challenges of each step right away on the next knife versus trying to rem uh, remember what I struggled with. <clears throat> if I if I was trying, oh wait, sorry, if, sorry, what I struggled with, if I were working one at a time, god damn it, that's a long question, <laughs> sorry, uh, my question is, do you think it's more beneficial, product, slash productive, to work, uh, let's say, uh, in a month on one knife every week for, uh, from start to finish, versus, say, four knives at the same time, at the end of four weeks, you'll still have four finished knives. So batches versus one, uh, one at a time. What do you guys think? Yeah, for me, definitely batches. And I'd say sure. if you're if you're um, working on four knives at a time, it would be quicker than the, the equivalent time doing one knife four times. Um, simply because your tooling is going to be set up and you're not going to be changing things around. Um, yeah, for me, batches are, are the only way that I can make what I do um, affordable. Um, because I'm you know I'm trying to make things affordable for the buyer. Um, if I were to do completely uh, one knife at a time, um, I don't think I command the prices that I'd need to to cover my own costs. So, hence um, batches. Um, that's the way I sort of cut down on costs for myself. One hundred percent. I've I still see this like just a metal workshop. And when I was doing when we were do I I do everything like the way we would do in a, either in a kitchen or a metal workshop is you're doing one step. And then you go to the next step and you're doing all your, you know, in a, in a, when we were doing the met, when we were making railings and I was making pickets, I'd make a thousand points and then I'd make a thousand necks and then I'd make a, you know, bend them a thousand times. And I, and I feel like you're, you're also getting more consistency now, I, especially what you were saying in regards to, you know, if I'm heat treating and I got my even heats running, I never heat treat one knife. I, it's just, it just, it seems like it's almost like a waste of heat. So I have always yeah. at least I always have three going on at the same time. So if I have like a, a pile of stainless steel knives and then I have one uh, carbon steel knife, I'll actually make two more carbon steel knives to heat treat or I'll look through my order list and I'll find three just to make sure that I'm being as efficient as possible on, on the heat treat. So, yeah, I like beat. Sure. Uh, but I did do I've done one knife at a time and it is more liberating because you are moving faster because you're not having these different stages but i try to see this more like a metal shop or a business and i like to make everything kind of as efficient and as volume centric as possible sure for me it depends on who i'm making the knives for or the knife for so uh most of the stuff i do right now is custom work and um i found i used to i, I used to try to work in batches but i would find that i would get distracted or or lose track of where I was on different knives. And it would, it, so there was an, an inefficiency there because then I'm just like kind of didn't know what the fuck I was doing um, and, and where I was at. And then also I, I found myself making actually a lot of mistakes because I was distracted by other stuff that was going on. Uh, so like, so say I was forging steel for one knife, I'd try to be grinding another knife. I'd get sucked into grinding and then forget about forging uh, steel and I would I you know I've lost whole billets just because you know I get into a grinding groove and completely forget about that other stuff um, so on custom when I do customs now I focus on one knife at a time um, but if I'm doing like I did that small batch uh, last year 
I did all five of those. I did the exactly, you know, the way you were describing Jeff, kind of like an assembly line style, you know, one step yeah. at a time, primary grind, all of the knives, drill, all the knives, uh, heat treat all the knives all at the same time. And just every step of the, uh, at, at a time did all of them, uh, all at the same time for efficiency. Cause also when it, like on those ones, I did, uh, I did S grinds on those and there's a lot of back and forth between the platins, um, between the various platins that I've grind with. And, you know, if I was just doing them one at a time, but doing the whole batch all at the same time, that'd be a lot of platin changing versus doing all the grinding with this one platin on all the knives at certain grit and then changing the belt or changing the platin oh, yeah. and moving on. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, the efficiency. Yeah. It's a huge pain in the ass. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's realistically what is it like 20 30 seconds maybe but the back and forth is it's a fucking huge pain and which is you know if you get into like where jeff's at jeff's got what two or three grinders now and just being able to pop over for a different uh you know process makes a huge difference in just your own mental like uh you know processing of how efficient you feel like you're being um and effective you're being uh, makes a huge difference for sure and like craig with the with the drill presses right you know i think craig's got mm. a few drill presses now yeah. and just that efficiency he he said has made a huge difference in his production i'd also say to my quality as well because sure. um let's say you know you're grinding uh, you know I, I do generally sort of larger numbers sort of 20 30 now uh, you know as a minimum um and and if you're doing your primary grinds for 20 30 knives um you know, it, it's that you're putting the hours in. You, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And the and these small little tweaks can make a huge difference. But on the other hand, what that can mean is then you're not grinding again for another sort of six to eight weeks. So you're generally going to, you know, take a while to get back into the swing of things again with grinding. So mm. I generally have a few sort of sacrificial pieces, mm. um, which I know sure. they're, they'll be junk, but I do complete every step with these. And they'll never be sold that, you know, they're, they're going to have faults with them, but they're, you know, just to get my eye back in that kind of thing. So yeah, there, there's, you know, it swings and roundabouts. There's pluses and minuses. The cheapest extra efficiency purchase that is, you'd be surprised is a drill press, like getting a second drill press. Cause now I, yeah. it's like, you don't have to constantly change the bits. You don't have to constantly. So you have one drill bit for my pass through hole for, uh, for the Corby bolts. And then I have any other drill, drill i'll have the uh step bit so i can countersink the corby bolts that has been amazing especially when i did a big batch of 50 i just did i saved so much i saved i, I saved like an hour it's a couple hours on not having to change out my bit every five minutes it was great yeah that's and you can get a, a tabletop uh drill press for you know hardly anything they're great right Okay, I think, I think that was quite a comprehensive answer. Certainly, certainly. So the next is from Butler's Epoxy. Um, what's your go-to for an afternoon pick-me-up? <laughs> oh, jeez. Cocaine. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. Do, uh, don't do my, drugs, people. Oh, yeah. Come on. I've got into a really bad habit, like, afternoons. So we're, we're into a habit where, you know, the babies go to bed at a certain time. So when they do, it's like a bit of a... <sighs> relax so my wife and i sit down we have a coffee um i've gone to two coffees a day by the way now and i'm not shitting myself every two minutes so <laughs> oh, it's, it's good news i've sort of trained myself and get the butt cap going <laughs> two coffees a day but we have a coffee and we have these little packets of biscuits and i've got one with me oh, now man. Oh, <laughs> oh my one of those packets so you have a, that's your so yeah 
that it is just that little bit of sugar and it's got chocolate on it and so on you know it's quite a fancy biscuit mm. so um yeah that can't continue because i'm just putting on weight but every afternoon we sort of stop we have a cup of coffee and we have a little packet of biscuits each and it's just like ah oh, the world feels better and we're ready to take on whatever's next but um yeah i think because we're in these weird times at the moment our schedules are all to you know to cock and uh it's nice to have this you know this this coming together in the in the afternoon and uh what what's it they call it? is it asmr something yeah like that? asmr yeah, maybe that would be a good they just for the network we could do an ASMR cha- uh, ASMR thing. <laughs> Maybe. I, just I don't know what ASMR, ASMR is. ASMR is where you're talking like this, and then you're rubbing up on the microphone. Yeah. But it seems like, apparently it's to help people sleep. But we all know it's just these weirdos who are just, you know, trying to... Rubbing one out. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbing one yeah. out. They got it. But it, it can be anything, <laughs> anything that sort of brings people in. So some people, you know, they, they like, they, they'll make like a jelly and they'll just wibble a jelly in front of a mic. Or they got their like, hand in a butt sp- plug and another one on the jelly. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. It's a, it's a huge thing. If you put ASMR into YouTube, you'll find millions of videos. And they're generally sort of Chinese schoolboys <laughs> who do this. Oh. They, you know, they record these really delicate sounds, and it, it just brings brings. You know what in. the worst one is? Is the, is the plotching of the lips. You know what plotching is? They're, my oh. my great-grandmother used to say, yeah, plotching. It's it's a Yiddish expression. <laughs> Don't plots, plotch with the mit, mits the lips. And see them... So you see these videos of these people like sucking on a, a fried chicken bone and they're making these plotching noises. It's just like, God damn, I don't want to see this or hear it. My wife used to get... What's this podcast turned into? Well, I like, mean, we're getting, we're getting some listeners hard at the moment. <laughs> Playing with their butt plugs, talking about the plotching of the midst the lips. Don't plotch midst the lips. Yeah, ASMR. Jeez. Oh, Back to knife Thank talk. You, yeah. So, what, what's your <laughs> what's your afternoon pickup, Jeff? Uh, you know, I, 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 we, we got these. I don't know what happened. Like three weeks ago, I got these like jelly, like candies. They're like called fruit slices, and it's just basically like a jelly bean kind of, but it's like a, it's like a, like a triangle. They're different colors and stuff. And for some, we've eaten three big containers of them, and it's like one thing is, and all my wife has oh, certain yeah. colors that she likes. My daughter likes certain colors that she likes, and I like certain colors that I like. And we've just been like, you know, wolfing down these gummy candies. And I posted a picture of them, and everyone thought they were like CBD. And I'm like, no, I'm not eating any fucking edibles, <laughs> dudes. Just, you know, just some fucking bullshit candy. So we're going to get rid of those at some point. Mm. At some point. <laughs> next next oh, week. Oh, my, my next kid week. and I went to the supermarket. She's like, we're running low on fruit slices. I'm like, all right, put them in the, put them in the bin. <laughs> In the, bu- in the buggy, put him in the buggy. Uh, Maraca, what, what do you, what do you do? Keep you going I, uh, days. Yeah, usually around, uh, basically like post lunch, uh, around two o'clock or so in the middle of the day. I I hit a serious lull. Uh, I've started um, meditating actually in the middle of the day, and I've talked about it before on the podcast. But you know, I'll sit down for fifteen to twenty five minutes or something like that, depending on. You know, it's it's not always the exact same length, um, but just sitting down and kind of resting to uh, re-energize, I guess, in a way, huh. just for, you know, just a little bit. Are you and in, it like, makes a huge difference. lotus position? No. Do you have, like, a, do you have just, a chance? Just, do you have, like, a, like a word? A mantra. Do you have, like, a, your special mantra? A mantra? No, I don't. All right. 
I, I, I've been using, actually, uh, our, well, I don't know if he wants me to out him. So a friend who is also a knife maker um, turned me on to uh, Sam Harris's Waking Up app. And uh, he, I think they do like a free 30-day trial and it's got like 50 different lessons on there. And it kind of leads people from if you have zero experience with meditating um, and they kind of just like walk you through with like the first one's like five minutes. Um, and it kind of gradually gets longer and longer and, and discuss just like talking about meditation in different ways. It's interesting and it's, it's very relaxing. It's kind of like a, a power nap without actually falling asleep. Hmm. You, so you, it energizes sense. you. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. I don't know. That is my pick me up. Boom. There you go. Shall we do one more and move sure. on? Okay. The Canton Cutler. As said, as a frontline emergency services worker, I really appreciate the additional content, the encouragement, and the momentary escape you guys provide as I cook for my family in the evenings at home. These are grim times, but the sense of people coming together is very heartening. So Jeff's single track talking about 9-11 was outstanding. Thank you again. You know your additional work is greatly appreciated, and it's important too. Thank you. So Jake is actually from my my hometown back in back in the UK back in Cardiff. Oh really? Um, so thank you very much for that, Jake. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of nice little things people could say. We have and and a lot about um, Morocco's single track he did this week as well. So Morocco did an interview this week. Um, it was a mammoth. Was it three nearly three hours? Um, lots I'm of very very good responses <laughs> to that. So thank you cool. very much, Morocco. Yeah, like I said before, Dan's a really nice guy, and I, I thought we had a good conversation. He had a lot of really great takeaways. He's been making knives since, I think he said, beginning of 2001, 2002. Mm. So he had a lot to offer. Yeah, and going back to what we talked about earlier, um, Dan isn't sort of full-time. He's got a full-time job and does this, you know, I wouldn't say on the side because it almost sort of belittles what he does because it's amazing what he does. But, you know, it, it it's not a, a case of, you know, knives or nothing he still has another job as well so yeah Yeah. good example there well really quick let me talk about indasa usa so we all have to hand sand at some point whether it's on a blade or on handles and the sandpaper of our choice is rhino wet which is made by indasa usa and the best place to go find it is at texas farrier supply and with knife talk 10 uh, if you type that in promo code at the at checkout, you will save 10% on your purchase. Uh, and also whatever else you're getting from them, because they have a great supply of all kinds of other stuff that you need as a knife maker, whether it's uh, mosaic pins or handle materials, um, hammers, tongs, all kinds of stuff. They are also a fairy supplier. So they have, they have a, actually a, quite a wide su- array of supplies. So go check them out. Uh, in Dasa USA maker of Rhino wet, Get it at Texas Ferry Supply with Knife Talk 10 at checkout. Save 10%. Somebody also told me that uh, Texas Ferry Supply has brooch tools. So if you, mm. somebody were talking about brooch tools last week, and you can get your brooch tools at Texas oh, yeah. Ferry Supply. Perfect. Community Showcase. This is a part in the podcast where we give a little shout out to some people that we think are doing something special and something good, and we want to highlight them. Craig, who do you have? I've got Ian from Ronald Knives. So Ronald Knives on Instagram. Um, hadn't really seen much of his work before, um, but I, uh, a post came up this morning, which 
really sort of got my attention. Um, I know he was featured in Blade Mag in April um, for one of his, uh, I think it was a custom slicer that he did. But look at the feed. It's just a really nice aesthetic, really sort of clean stuff. And these these slicers, he's got this picture of one with a red handle, one with a green handle. It's just it's just a really, really nice design. Um, so go take a look. Ronald Knives. Um, I'm not sure where he's from. It doesn't seem to say either on his website or on his Instagram. So, you know, where he is in the world, I haven't got a clue. But um, he makes damn good knives. Ronald good dude knives. right there. I think he's nice. Australian. I might be wrong. <laughs> good. No, Morocco. Have you got anyone? I do. Uh, his name is Joe uh, Joe Vashon. On Instagram, he's Joe the Blacksmith thirteen. Uh, he's actually uh, a Forge and Fire a champion, former Forge and Fire champion. He's also a Washingtonian uh, up in Goldendale. He's a very talented and very creative blacksmith. Actually, Jeff, I think you would appreciate his blacksmith knives that he does. He drifts these holes pretty wide and then he reforms them. Uh, to create the handle shape, it's really oh, neat. Cool. Uh, but he does a he does a lot of really creative work. He does uh, a lot of he goes, um, and very uh, he does even like blacksmith sculpting on on uh, with steel and rebar, like forging dragon heads and stuff like that. It's really interesting. Uh, it's very talented, very creative guy, Joe Joe Vashon. Joe, all right, following now. Very cool, super cool. I wanted to give a little love to a friend of ours who is a cook. He's a great guy. His name is Matt underscore Campion underscore. This is a guy who is a professional chef, uh, cook. He went to the CIA and uh, Culinary Institute of America. He does. He started doing knife making, and he's very positive. He does a lot of his great stories. He does. He's been under quarantine. He's been doing a lot of stories of you know how he cooks things and stuff like that. He's also very like you know I'm learning to be a, a knife maker, and he's very. He's got a great attitude. He's a great supporter of this podcast, but he's got a great attitude, and he's a very very uh, smart and kind and good person and i just wanted to give a little bit of shout out and encouragement to matt he's a good dude and we're with you yeah nice matt underscore campion underscore on instagram so we've got something different coming up and i don't know what it is i woke this morning to a text from jeff just asking me to queue up a jingle um and let him run with it so jeff go ahead over to you Welcome to the Quarantine Newlywed Game. This is a game show to test how well you think you know your spouses. Believe it or not, guys, I've asked a question of both of your spouses, and we're going to see, we're going to see how well, under the circumstances, obviously this isn't newlyweds, you guys have been married for a while, we're going to see how well you think you know your spouses. I've only asked one question, but there's enough in there that we should be able to get some. Yeah, are you guys ready to play? Let's do now. It. I have a question, a serious, serious question. None of you have. Do we need buzzers? No, no buzzers needed. This is no buzzers no needed. Buzzers. Okay. And if we do this, we might maybe we'll. If it works out, we'll do it again. But I want to make sure, and I'm saying to you this: um, I want to no, no, no. Do you guys have you have any? hearing of this is this the first time you've heard of this from your spouses i want to make sure the fix is not in i promise uh, I you have, i know okay. nothing okay. of this i, I know nothing okay. as well all right. Are you guys ready to play ready all to right Mareko. yes i have asked your wife sarah 
Could you tell me the three best things Mareko cooks at home? The three best things you cook at home. What did Sarah say? <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, pizza? That's one. And let's see. Uh, waffles, maybe? Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see what else. Um, I don't know. I don't do it very often, but maybe Eggs Benedict. Mm-hmm. Eggs Benedict. Breakfast okay. stuff. All right. Okay. Craig, I asked yes. Amy, what are the three best things that he makes? Oh, and what did what did Amy oh. say? What do you think Amy said? I'd say um, a a bolognese, like a uh, spaghetti bolognese. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, probably uh, duck confit. Mm-hmm. He likes duck okay. confit. And. Ooh, Maybe just a steak, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to steaks, he sort of leaves that to me. So, um, yeah, I'd say those three. Very, very interesting. So are you guys comfortable with your answers? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's start off with Mareko. Sarah said, I would say pizza. You got pizza right. Loco Moco. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he makes... Loco Moco. uh, We're going to talk about that. And he makes these chocolate oatmeal craisin cookies that don't have a name but are super yummy. So you said... They are. You said pizza. You said waffles and eggs benedict. So you got one right. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah, whoops. That's fine. You know, look. You know, I try to give as much possible. All right. So now we're down to... Craig, I asked Amy. Can we find out what a locomoco okay, is? Okay, lo- tell, tell, go ahead. Tell them what locomoco is. I know what it is. A locomoco is like a it's a Hawaiian meal, uh, but it's basically it's rice as a base, uh, a McCormick's brown gravy. I, I was told that that is the uh, traditional ways to use McCormick's brown brown gravy mix uh, out of a packet. Um, and I think the simplest way is either uh, some sort of protein. So maybe a hamburger bun- uh, patty or a couple slices of Spam or maybe some chicken uh, with a fried egg over the top and gravy yeah. over, over everything. It's I've delicious. read that that's, that's a big, like, you're out drinking all night long and then you go home and you get, you have, for breakfast you have moco loco, they have rice, booze, uh, like a hamburger booze with gravy and a fried egg on top. That sounds pretty it's good. It's so good. Dirty. All right. Sounds dead. All right. Well, fine. Craig, how do you feel? Com- you feel comfortable with your answers? No. All right. No, I, I do with one. With okay. one. Okay. But, um, the others right. Here's what Amy said. Spaghetti bolognese, which we knew was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. Steak with a <laughs> tomato and red wine sauce, which he calls his forest sauce. Not the greatest. We're going to go back to the forest sauce. And a traditional Sunday <laughs> roast, because uh, probably uh-huh. I hate going to restaurants for a roast because they're never as good as his. So oh. it looks like Craig is the winner of the quarantine Newlywood game. There you go. I almost said Locomoco too. Well, yeah. Ugh. well, 
what is it? Why would she you call it a forest sauce? If you don't mind me asking. And she yeah, also, Amy that. also gave me another thing to tell me. She says, anytime that you, that she cooks, you are all over her and you <laughs> criticize <laughs> or critique what she, her techniques. You give her nothing but fritz when uh, she tries to cook. Is that true? She took the opportunity to have a go. Well, she didn't know that she didn't know that this was gonna be this is gonna be a thing. She was very loving. She says, Oh, I mean, she said I go to we have a Sunday roast and I'll go to restaurants because what is a traditional Sunday roast, by the way? You don't know? Oh, okay. It's a very British yeah. thing. Um so you have um like a big roast beef or sometimes just like a roast chicken. Um, but then you do like roasted potatoes and maybe a potato bear. Almost like you'd have your, your Thanksgiving right. dinner. Um, it's it's a traditional sort of Sunday thing. We'd have it every Sunday. Well, she says you're different sauces. Excellent. Is that like Yorkshire pudding and all that? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Really big, heavy, stodgy. Yeah, it's look at you, yeah. look nice. at you. Well, both well, guys, both of your both of your wives enjoy your cooking. So, congratulations, okay. congratulations, Craig. Do you want to know what the forest sauce? Uh, I mean, it's uh, yeah. Let's. I want to hear it because the name is awful. But go ahead. It's not appetizer. Yeah, well, it's like the concrete sauce. The name. This is, this is, we call this this. Oh, I'm going to tell you a funny story after this. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's simply because of the place where we made it. So um, it's a place where we got married as well. It's literally a forest um, in in West Wales, and um, we went there. We've been there many times, and it's it's. It's, it's, it's just a beautiful place in the middle of the forest and you can stay there and so on. So we went and we, you know, we started a fire and I brought steaks with me and we did, I didn't have anything to put with it. But what we did have was lots of red wine and we had some like cherry tomatoes and some garlic and so on. So the idea was you get hot pan on the, on a flame on the fire, throw in your cherry tomatoes on the vine. Um, so the, the uh, skins peel away and they char very, very quickly Throw in um, a whole bottle of garlic and then half a bottle of red wine and just letting that reduce very quickly. And that poured over a steak um, is just incredible. So, yeah, that's the that's forest, forest sauce. sauce. Really simple, but beautiful. I, I have a yeah. friend of mine opened a restaurant up in New York, and it was in the garment district. So they had they showed me the early menu, and it said, it said something had garment district sauce on it. It's a garment district sauce. That sounds disgusting. The garment sauce? <laughs> Panties. Like we can't can't have something called garment <laughs> sauce. It's terrible. It's a fucking terrible thing. No, what we should call it. I'm like, I don't know, but I'm fucking not eating garment district sauce. This sounds disgusting. It's like, you know, sludgy sauce. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations, oh, Craig. And everybody was Thank very you. there. You like I said, I didn't really I just I you know it. They're, everyone was very complimentary of your cooking, so. There okay, you that's cool. Two out of three ain't bad, as I think meatloaf Hey, you got pizza. Said, so. You got pizza, too. So, Marekka got pizza. That all sounds good to me. We got beef. Okay, to finish the show, we're going to talk about um, what's been grinding our gears this week. Um, Marekka, why don't you start? I don't. I can't really think of anything right now. Actually, I'm sure there's plenty, so but I just can't. Yeah, you're, you're right right resent, maybe. It's bugging me, so I'm just gonna keep it with that for now. Yeah, very high level. About high Jeff. Positive. Does Jeff have something? Yeah, John fucking Wang. John fucking Wang is my beef. <laughs> who, who is John I don't fucking, fucking know. But some asshole named John <laughs> Wang filled out some uh, some like either 
bank report or a solar panel report or he wanted to get some fucking free shit or something and he put my my telephone number as the contact so i've been getting <laughs> crushed oh john john I, we're calling you back do you want your solar panels or do you want to refinance your loan do you want to oh we fu- i said I, so i was i've got all these calls I'm like, who the fuck is john so i said to the woman i said excuse me if you don't mind me asking where is this coming from? Oh, John Wang. John Wang filled out this paperwork, and this is the number. I'm getting John Wang calls all fucking day, and I'm going out of my goddamn mind, and I can't block them until I until I come through. You know, I don't know what happened. We used to get, he used to get, wow, he used to get like uh, spam calls, but these are like legit. But luckily, the people I've talked to, I've asked them to take me off the list, and they've been very cool. But fuck you, John Wang. I'm, a, I don't like you at all. You are a scumbag. Thank you, but no thank you. Fuck, fuck John Wang. Fuck John Wang. That'd be a hell of a prank. Ah. Uh, you know, that's extra funny simply because he used the name Wang. Yeah. So, Amy, my <laughs> wife and I, we have this joke about Wang um, being... <laughs> oh, God, he's going to sound terrible and terribly racist now, but it, 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 it's not. Um, <laughs> it's, cool. it's especially going to be now that you've started off with, this know, doesn't sound racist, Jeez. but it's going to be. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> We always had this Uh-oh. thought of, um, so like, there's been times when we've had to have like a cleaner and stuff like that, you know, coming in once a week or twice a week or whatever it is. Um, and we wanted one specially called Wang. <laughs> this sounds terrible. This sounds terrible. Now I'm saying out loud, it sounds terrible. But we had this whole backstory of Wang. Of she was going to come and live with us. And even now, let's say we're both sitting on the sofa and one of us wants something. Rather than turn to each other and say, Oh, would I, would you mind getting that from yourself? We both just shout out, Wang! <laughs> As if Wang is going to go and get it for us. Oh, it is terribly right. I feel terrible. Well, but, um, you know. Anyway, Wang. That's my <laughs> Fuck you, John Wang. <sighs> my beef. I've got a beef too. Yes. So I've been printing, 3D printing these bloody masks for weeks now. Um, and it should be simple. Should really be simple. But. 3D printers, they're just not ready for, like, consumers yet. I spend probably well over an hour a day hunched over this thing with a little wrench in my hand, fixing something or soldering a wire back on. And I'm just like, why the hell is this so difficult? You know, you should just be able to... I mean, even normal printers, let alone 3D printers, they're just as bad. They just don't work. And why why isn't anybody just making something that works? You know, most of these, especially the 3D printers, they're... They're, they're built, you know, to a cost um, overseas. And you just think, Jesus Christ, come on. It's the simple things that are breaking. And if these were all put together, they'd be they'd be consumer ready. You could buy one out of the box and they'd be ready to go and last forever. But it's not. I'm spending half, you know, at least an hour a day bent over this thing, trying to coax it back to life like it's an old like, 1950s Chevy or something. <laughs> and it's... it's no need for it. So, yeah, 3D printers are my beef, um, and it takes somebody to make a good 3D printer that's reliable before it's ready for the mass market. Wouldn't you say, though, that, I mean, the amount of work you're putting into it is probably – you're probably hitting the threshold of of the home tabletop 3D printer versus, like, a professional one, right? But it's little things. Like, even when you get it, most of these come in kit form anyway, so you need to put them together. And just everything that you you've got to upgrade everything like before you start, and you know the first thing I did when I when I 
and I got my this this current three D printer is you know print other bits to make it better, just because <laughs> it, they're built to this cost. It's it's ridiculous, and I, I'm getting emails every day. People saying, "Oh, I, oh, I want to buy a three D printer so I can start making masks and so on." I think, Brilliant, that's great, but I can't recommend one to you because unless you've used one before and you've tinkered with one for years, it's just going to be a, a nightmare for you as well. So. Yeah, 3D printer manufacturers, sort yourselves out. Buy, you know, use decent things to make your printers with. <sighs> That's my beef. I feel better. You got to have a dream now. You got to, you got to swing it back in, right? Are we gonna do that? Okay. Let's start with you, Jeff. Well, I I, uh, I have a new protocol, uh, and I've been I've been holding when I finish knives now. I disinfect them, I wrap them up, I stick them in the box, and I let them stay in the box completely untouched for five days before I ship them. And it just gives me a little bit of peace of mind that, you know. So I'm going to – somebody talked to me about getting and making like a UV box, UV box that like sprays UV rays or something like that. I'm going to look into that this week. <laughs> You're taking the piss, surely. <laughs> no. Am I, I thought that I thought that's a thing. I'm not gonna. I'm not, <laughs> it, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm gonna have like a, you know gargle with Lysol, but I thought that I thought I thought our president said UV lights are gonna kill. Also, if you shine that UV light up your <laughs> ass as well with a torch, stick that torch right up your but ass. But I have. But I'm sure that'll the, cure you got, of your nasty I'm COVID. Gonna have, I'm gonna have to remove my butt cap. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it all, but uh, now I'll change, change wavelengths on this one. I, I'm actually going to, uh, I'm psyched. I'm going to be doing some cooking today and I've been getting a lot of positive feedback from chefs and um, knife makers and stuff like that. And I've been doing a lot more cooking, adding to my highlights and people, it's, it's kind of a, been a lot of fun. So uh, today actually we're Sundays are going to be the big Sundays are going to be our big day. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to make a, a pork banh mi sandwich, Vietnamese-style sandwich, and I'm going to do another uh, tart to tan because that was a big hit in the family. <sighs> big hit in the family. Nice. Came out great, and I got some mess. I fucked it up. I fucked up the flip, and I got some chefs slipped into my DMs and told me that the key is once you take it out of the oven and let it set, you put it back on the fire, and that loosens it up a little bit so it so you'll get a good flip. So I'm going to do that move. Nice. So that so that Vietnamese sandwich. Are you going to do like a, like a bun or one of those steamed buns? The Vietnamese. No, the banh mi is traditionally. You know, the funny thing is about a Vietnam in general is they had so much connection with the French. So they would they would make the sandwich, and a banh mi really is the bread is like a kind of like a baguette, a French baguette, small, um, crusty yeah. on the outside, but kind of very uh, you know fluffy on the inside. And then it's grilled meat or vegetables or tofu or whatever you want. And then what makes it a banh mi is usually there's a little bit of mayonnaise in there, some sort of seasoned mayonnaise. And then uh, cilantro, pickled carrots, cucumbers, maybe some chilies. And sometimes there's pate or grilled meat and stuff like that. And I got some, we got some a good piece of uh, thin pork that I marinated last night in soy sauce and fish sauce and onions and stuff. So we're going to, and I got the grill going. Yesterday we had the grill going for the first time. So I'm going to try to do more grilling now that it's getting nice out. And uh, I'm really pumped about the, my, my kid is like fired up. She, we love making bond meats. You put everything in them, but it's like, it's great because nice. it's contrasty, hot and cold and crunchy and sweet and sour and spicy. It's great. So, sounds good. Sounds good. I think Mareko has disappeared again. I think his connection's giving him a bit of grief mm-hmm. today. Um, so I'll, I'll do mine. 
Um, I've, I've got I, quite an important call on Tuesday, um, a, a Zoom call with a bunch of people, um, which will d- decide what I'm doing for the next um, foreseeable time. You know, it's going to take up a big chunk of my time if this comes off. So, yeah, I'm hoping that's going to go well and there's a positive outcome from that. So that's my uh, Zoom call on Tuesday Give night. Give them hell. That's Give them it. hell. Give them hell. I don't think Mareko's coming back. I think that's it. I think his connection has, has died on us. So that is a show. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, it's going to be another one uh, next week. Every Monday there's a show, and it's going to be on knifetalk.net. It's on all your podcasting apps. So do us a favor. Give us a review. Um, give us a five-star rating. It all goes to help us. Thanks a lot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.